Hello, welcome to the Freedom from Anger podcast. I'm actually doing an intro before my intro. I just wanted to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for taking the time to listen to my little podcast. I picked this podcast because I think it might help you out during Thanksgiving. That's about communication. I know it can be difficult to communicate with family and friends. So hopefully you listen to this, gain some knowledge, and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hello, welcome to the Freedom from Mayor podcast. I'm excited for our guest today, Ms. Thea May from Norwich, UK. She's an ethical business communication coach, a relationship mentor, and a spoken word poet, and I'm sure among other things. Thanks for coming on, Thea May. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. So we chatted briefly before we started recording, and my first question for you is, what is an ethical business communication coach? Yes. I'm going to split it into two. What is ethical business and what is a communication coach in that context? So for me, ethical business is businesses that have missions towards a greater future for all. They are inclusive. They are future thinking. They are not just solving a problem we have now and creating new problems for later. So for example, a current pet peeve I have at the moment is what they call those vapes. And they, in the UK, certainly, they started producing vapes that are disposable. So they have disposable vapes and they are, the, the streets are just littered with disposable vape cartridges, littered with disposable vape cartridges. They're single use. They create loads of waste and there is no legislation saying that they can't do that. So the business opportunities are flooding in to create disposable vape cartridges. That is unethical to me. It's unethical based on a future that is sustainable, that is respectful of the environment. It just doesn't make sense for me to have businesses that are creating more problems than the ones we actually need to solve, that are directly contributing to problems we are trying to solve. So they might be in, in environment, they might be in human rights, they might be in social issues. So whatever, whatever the the niches or the context that you're working in, don't be creating more problems than the ones we're already trying to solve. So that's an ethical business. And what my role is as a communication coach in those contexts is to help people feel really connected to the thing that they care about. Because often when you're running a mission-led business, you're a little bit more close to the fire because you care more about what you're doing than if it was just a job. And so there's a greater vulnerability there. And sometimes people can find it harder to talk about their work, what they're doing, the impact it's having, or how, why it really matters, because it's very close to their heart. And so my role is to help them feel very embodied and powerful in that communication moment so they don't hide. They are vulnerable, but they are also charismatic and powerful. And they're balancing that to be a really engaging communicator. Oh, yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I imagine if you're really passionate about something, I'm sure we talked a few days ago about not letting our emotions override mm -hmm. our communication. Mm -hmm. So if I'm really passionate about something, mm -hmm. as you know, once you start attacking somebody, communication shuts down and you're not getting your point across. So I'm sure having a coach to, okay, well, I, I know you're passionate about this. I know you want to yell and scream it at the top of your lungs, but... Let's try to find another way so we actually get the communication across. That's right. May I, um, may I add something here? 
Oh, go ahead. Within the conflict and the anger emotions in particular, working with uh, campaign communicators, campaign leaders, so they're they're very passionate about it. It might be in a political space. Emotions can get really, really high and you can become very ranty, but not very clear. And it's really common to become emotionally flooded by how much you care about this, but it's driven by the frustration that you have that it's still a problem that's not being solved, you know, and that you now you're starting to point fingers. It's this person's fault. It's that system's broken. It's this political person, you know, so now you're just kind of pointing out in an angry way. And it's very off-putting. It's not actually very solutions focused. It will attract a certain type of people, but often that's just more fans to the fire. And you lose the clarity of the the mission or the project or the campaign amongst all of that noise. It becomes like static on the radio. And what you want to do is tune out the static, get the message through. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know, um, I'm not sure how it is over in the UK, but when it comes to politics in America, mm. it's usually who can yell the loudest. And people are just drawn to all that just negativity and Mm. All the smear campaigns that they put out on TV, and it's just, and the whole time you see these things, you're like, okay, but what's your message? You spend yeah, millions totally. and millions of dollars on these ads yeah. trying to trash somebody, but you're not really saying what you're going to do. You actually say it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, uh, it's the same in the UK, but more passive aggressive. Oh, uh, more polite, I guess. More polite. <laughs> But no less vehement. It's just it's just more under under underhanded. Yeah, I've got a a quote here that I that I've used for years because uh, a lot of times in my work, one of the main things I try to get our clients to focus on is communication. Because especially when it comes to relationships, that's the number one reason relationships don't work is lack of communication. And a lot of people will see it as a, a daunting task because if you're not good at something, then you got to put in work to get better at it. But I try to express to them, it's for your benefit. We communicate because we're trying to get something. So if you're trying mm -hmm. to get along with your spouse, then you're going to be happier. So you got to open up that communication. But uh, this quote is from George Bernard Shaw. I'm sure you're familiar. Mm -hmm. It's from over in your area. Says so the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. I have heard that before. It's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah, and it's even it hits the nail on the head for sure. The illusion that it is it's taken place at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we assume that we're getting our point across, or we assume mm -hmm. that the other person knows these things, and those assumptions get get us in trouble. And it sounds childish, but I tell people all the time: use your words. Use your words. Yeah. 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 I'm acutely aware of that raising a toddler at the moment whose um, emotions are big and it's use your words. He's not verbal yet, but the trait, the kind of the awareness starts now, you know, that he can, he can find a way to show me or tell me what he wants and what he needs. And so often people grow up without that validation or that space to be, understand that they can ask for what they want and what they need. And it isn't a confrontation to have a need. And, you know, that this is where that starts now. And I'm like acutely aware of that, having this young mind with me at the moment who I'm responsible for his emotional and communication intelligence. Yeah. And that's great that you're aware of those things because a lot of us were not. And 
that having that emotional intelligence is huge, especially when it comes to communication, because if I'm, like we said earlier, if I'm allowing my emotions to dictate the words that are coming out of my mouth, and I tell mm-hmm. people all the time, I say, when you're feeling those emotions, one of the best things you can do is just keep your mouth shut because you're just going to keep digging that hole and it's going to get worse and worse and worse because we're operating out of that primitive part of the brain, that fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. We say and do silly, silly things. <laughs> you can't take those words back. Regrettable things. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Because we try yeah. to win those arguments, right? Yeah, it's a power over dynamic, basically. So you're trying to win. There's a winner and a loser, and you don't want to be the loser. And the the way that I approach conflict with my clients and in the course I'm creating is it it's a it's not a power over. It's a power with. It's a it's a misnomer. It's a it's a false belief that you have to win, or you otherwise you are a loser. It's a false dichotomy. And actually, the co-creative solution approach is a power with how can you empower each other to feel that you can move forward in a way that is okay for each of you right yeah and sometimes you just you got to pick your battles you got to just say okay agree to disagree fair enough it's okay to if you see it in an argument it doesn't mean you lost it just means this ain't going nowhere communication shut down because once those emotions kick in that wall goes up and you you piss somebody off you might say everything correct after that but guess what they're not hearing it they're still focused on hey i'm being attacked i didn't like what you said that's all my focus and yeah gotta give give yourself time to cool down retreat and come back maybe fight the battle a little bit later once everybody's cooled down a little bit that's right this it's not often considered in the conflict space but the the concept of consent and in during a dialogue that is becoming tense or is breaking down and consent frameworks can be so helpful here because you basically have consent thresholds constantly throughout the conversation so the first one is can we have a chat about what happened yesterday that's a consent threshold person either says no and you're like okay i respect that when would be a good time to have a talk about it because i feel like it's going to create a lot of problems for us going forward another consent threshold Right. So and then during the conversation, it gets really heated. So now you've got another consent threshold. Are you happy to continue with this conversation? I get the sense that it's it's getting pretty tense. Are you happy to continue? Another consent threshold. Or it might be for yourself. It might be, I'm finding this really difficult. I just need to take a few minutes out. Would that be okay? And these are all consent thresholds, right? And so if you start to have it's such a simple thing, but I think it's one of the most powerful tools for cooling down and just like, okay, let's tune into each other. What do we need? Where are we? Are we both willing to be continued? Are we both able to continue this conversation right now? And these consent thresholds allow for that empathy and kindness to come in. Even if you're like super angry with the other person, you're like, actually, I don't want to continue this conversation right now. That's fine. That's a consent. That's, that's your boundary. But there's been a space offered for that rather than that happening because it explodes to that point, which is very different. Yeah, and it's definitely something that I've definitely talked about over the years is it's really being tactful in how you do that. Because a lot of times when our emotions are are high or we go and like, we're going to talk about this right now. Well, if they're not down with it, then you're just wasting your time. 
Oh God, I hate that. The conflict surprise. Yeah. I'm going to drop this on you right now because I'm ready and I want the element of surprise so that I'm in charge and I have a better likelihood of winning. That's the subtext of that. We call it you're taking a time out. Like say, if you're mm -hmm. having a disagreement, taking time out. And mm -hmm. I tell them is like, don't run away. Use your words. Tell them what you're doing. Storm out the door where they don't know where you're going. So Love now their that. mind... So their mind is racing, wondering where you're going. They say, hey, I'm going to cool off and walk around the block. I'll be back in a minute, run to the store real quick, come back. And uh, if you want to talk about this more, we can. Right. And instead of just, I'm going to get into my car, turn my phone off. So they're texting yeah. and you come back and then the fire is even hotter. <laughs> all the... All the what ifs and stuff. So. Oh, and the brain, the brain's potential for creating stories that aren't true is just unending. It's, I mean, we are the great inventors of story. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a passage in the Four Agreements that I like, and it's talking about mm -hmm. making assumptions. Where it's like you walk, you're in a mall, and a girl looks at you and smiles. Next thing you know, you're thinking about. Hey, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. And your mind is just creates this whole <laughs> huge scenario. And in reality, it's like she could be smiling at somebody else, but it's just, it's how quickly our mind just creates all these. Yeah. Uh, got another communication quote here that I'm sure everybody's heard, probably didn't know where it came from. I'm sure it's been reused a million times over the years. It's from, I can never pronounce his name right, Epictetus. Does that sound right? The Greek philosopher? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I wouldn't say for sure I knew how to pronounce it either. Yeah, I always mess it up. But and It's not says, hepatitis, so. No. He says, now we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice <laughs> as much as we speak. Now, everybody's heard that. So yeah, yeah. So he said it 2,000 plus years ago. Uh, I mean, he was on point, right? Yeah. And we still have that problem to this day mm -hmm. most of the time. We're not actively listening. We're just waiting for our chance to, to get our two cents in. And it's just kind of sounding like the adults and the Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but just you're not receiving anything. So what do you think would be a good, let's say if I'm, let's say if I'm an individual and I have a hard time communicating with my partner, I, I get frustrated because I feel that they're not listening to me or what's What's some ways that I could work on myself to to open up that that just to make sure I understand the question and we might need to we might might be valuable to make it a little bit more specific or I can mm -hmm. come into it from a couple of different ways. Okay. So you're getting frustrated during the conversation or you get frustrated that they're not listening to you and you want to raise a conversation about the fact that you don't feel heard. Which which one would be which one do you want to go into? Let me modify that. A little bit because I was recently working with a client and who in communication was that they feel that their needs are not getting met because they don't want to hurt the other person's feeling. So they're putting their own needs last and not communicating what they really want because they don't want to be the bad guy. So common. Such, such a common dynamic. The fear of offending for having need um, and offending the other person is just such a common dynamic within our human relationships, such a tender dynamic. Well, 
There's a framework I use for these types of conversations, which is about how to communicate your needs and any boundaries, perhaps, because your need might be that, that the way that something is happening cannot happen anymore or has to change. So yeah, communicating needs and boundaries. And I'll share it briefly because it's such a powerful framework and it really is a shift on how many of us have been taught to approach these conversations, basically. So the the way that it plays out is five steps and you can pretty much follow them step by step. Um, there is a way that they repeat, which is the consent threshold. So you might go back to the consent threshold multiple times. But as I move through the five steps, listen to how the relationship changes each time. You're, you're moving the relationship through different dynamics in order to get across what you need. And, there's, and you're taking out the sting, the blame, the poke, right? That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to take out the, the poke in the eye with the stick that often happens. You know, you just make me feel so unhappy. That's like a really pokey thing to say to somebody or that you're all, you, you always do it wrong. Is that true? It's such an exaggeration. So I doubt that's true. So yeah. you always do what wrong and in what way and what effect does it have? So here's a framework that you can use step by step as a structure. And it's something I developed from, I literally overheard something on a radio years ago. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I've developed it since then in a Muji framework that I use so much within all of my communication coaching. So that I don't know, I no longer know where it actually came from. I heard it in passing a, a sort of three-step version and I've um, built upon it. So we start with the micro yes, which is the consent, the consent threshold. The micro yes is, can I talk to you about what happened yesterday? Like I said earlier, or I feel like there's a lot of tension in our relationship. I'd love to have a chat about it. When would be a good time, right? So what you're doing is you're not bringing up the issue. You might be top lining it, just putting a little, a little awareness on what you're going to talk about, like what happened yesterday or your relationship, but you're not bringing up the issue. You're going to find the best time for both of you to be present. That's point one. It empowers the other person to be ready for the conversation that you want to have, right? So you're going to empower them, enable them to be ready as best as possible for a successful conversation or the greatest success. Next, we move into, now this is the sweet spot, specify behavior and show impact. This is where you would normally say, you just always do it wrong. You're, you, you never book a restaurant. You, you know, it's like whatever it is that you want to say that would be so blamey. The thing that you're worried, this is the moment where you're worried they're going to get offended. This is it. Okay. You don't want to hurt their feelings. The way that we may love just doesn't work for me anymore. It's, I'm just really unhappy and it's your fault. You're just really crap in bed, right? Whatever it is. So that would hurt someone's feelings if you said it like that. Of course it would. So specify behavior, which might look like you're looking for cause and effect language. When you constantly reschedule our meetings, I, I feel like I, I start to lose interest in these meetings. I no longer feel like I want to show up in as, as much, right? What you're doing is you're saying when this happens, it has this effect. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it goes right. I mean, it's kind of goes right in line with what I talked to my client about was using those. I statements, I feel this, right. and to really take that finger pointing away. Well, you this, right. you that, because I'm instantly defensive. Communication mm -hmm. stopped. But when mm -hmm. you actually flip it and 
start out with, okay, I, it kind of opens them up because mm -hmm. they really don't with it's something small as you don't, you didn't take out the trash. If I come at you, you never, I'm going to come back with, I did last week. And then right. here we go. We're off, we're off to the races in a different conversation and everybody mm -hmm. is upset. But when you flip it and bring it back onto you and mm -hmm. actually try to get across those, what you're feeling, mm -hmm. it actually, I mean, I, when I first heard this years ago and I was like, that stuff don't work. Mm -hmm. I started using it. That's so interesting. And, and I started using it. I was like, whoa, this actually works. Like we're <laughs> yelling at each other. Yeah, I'm getting my needs met, <laughs> but anyway, specify nice. behavior. I love that. Yeah. For the, like the trash example, what you want to do is show the effect. So when I always have to take the trash out, I'm left feeling like all the jobs are on my shoulders, right? When you don't take the trash out, I feel overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I still have to do. Or we agree that you were going to take the trash out rather than me, because I'm focusing on looking after the child every day. So you've not poked them at all. You've just said, when the, when the trash isn't taken out by you, I'm left feeling overwhelmed, right? So cause and effect, cause and effect every single time. And really, like you say, avoid the you, the you language, you do this or you and superlative. So never, always, all of those. Absolutes, yeah. Yeah. The absolutes don't help. They never, <laughs> they never help. Yeah, they they really they really rarely are true because we're it's rarely absolute. So next, you move into open listening. This is a powerful point in the conversation where they do you have the phrase a you might call it a crock pot maybe, but a a steamer slow cooker. Yeah. So you've been telling them the way in which their behavior is not right for you. They're probably getting pretty boiled up right now. They might be getting frustrated. They probably need like feel like they need to defend themselves at this point. It's entirely reasonable. They are having a problem raised. So you want to give some time for them to just like let out a little bit of steam. And a really nice way to do this for it to not become an argument is to say, this is this is how I see it, but I'm really interested in what your side is too. Would you be willing to share with me? What you're saying is, I I get this is my perspective and my my experience. Can you fill me in? Do you see this in the same way? Do we have a do we have the same problem here? I mean, I care what your side of the story is, and just by showing and offering that care in the language that you're using, but also by the presence that you have, because when you ask that question, you then go like zip it. You ain't gonna say nothing else. You just kind of let them say what they need to say. They need to share their side of the story. And this might go on for like a minute or two, maybe a little bit longer, but it usually doesn't go on for that long, especially because you've showed that you're listening. People behave differently when they feel heard. And so now they're going to tell you their side of the story. What happens at this point is so interesting because usually it uncovers a misunderstanding. Actually, there's a reason why they didn't take out the trash because they think that the bin day is on a different day or they're rescheduling their meetings because actually their parents really sick and you didn't know that about your colleague. So now you're like, oh, I have like a whole different level of empathy for your rescheduling and actually it's okay, <laughs> right? So by understanding the other person's experience or side of the story, it often dissipates the whole tension straight away. But if it hasn't, you move on to step four, which is to co-create. Okay, so thanks for sharing that. I really can see how how that works for you or how, why that is a problem for you as well. What can we do? Do you have any ideas? Or I have some suggestions. 
Would you be willing to hear them? Notice the consent threshold again. State of readiness. We're preparing the brain for readiness. And that, and at that point, you'll have these a dialogue around creating a solution. This usually goes around a few times, few different things. No, I'm totally not up for that. That doesn't work for me because this, this, and this. Okay, well, how about this? So, you know, you're, you're in dialogue. You're in a co-creative dialogue around the solution to the problem. And before you move, before you leave point, point four, you're going to summarize. Okay, so if I understand correctly, what we've agreed to try next is, or what we're going to do going forward is this, this, and this. Is that how you understand it? Do you agree? What's your understanding, right? So you then confirm the agreements. You confirm the agreements and you both say yes, basically, in some way. And the fifth point is quite different. You invite feedback. This one shows reciprocity. The purpose of this is to show that you are open to them raising problems they have with you too. You're going to create a two-way flow, a problem for unsolving in your relationship. And this sounds like, thank you so much for listening to my problem or hearing me out or helping to find a different way of doing this. I'm really grateful. Is there anything you would like to discuss with me? Is there anything I'm doing that is frustrating for you? Is there anything you would like me to do more or less of? You know, whether it's a colleague or a partner or a friend, family member. Now, what's super important is your conflict uh, capacity is probably pretty reached right now. So do not start this conversation now. Okay. Do not. What you're going to do is just show that you're open to it. Something might come up and they'll be like, actually, yeah, I'd really love to talk about the fact that you've never cleaned the bathroom. Right. That might be the thing. And you'll be like, okay. When should we have a chat about that? When would be a good time? Or, okay, let's find a time to talk about that. How about Saturday? Right? So you re you start at the top again. When are we going to find a good time? Specify the behavior, open, open listening. So now you go through again, but a totally different time where your capacity for conflict is renewed. You can, you have, you're able to withstand some tension, right? Don't do it then. Don't rush it. Don't do it then. Please, please, please don't do it then. Put in a boundary, find a new time, respect both your, both your capacities. Yeah, that's it. So the five things are get a micro yes, then specify behavior and show impact. Ask an open listening question and do not respond. Just respond with mm-hmm. Then co-creative. So invite and or offer suggestions and then invite feedback. Is there anything else? Is there anything they want to raise with you? That's it. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely good information. And what I've learned over the years of doing this is that the first thing your client's going to say, well, I mean, it's easier said than done. I mean, it looks good on paper, but that won't work with my wife. That won't work with my husband. And it's, yeah, because it's, it's something new. It's something foreign. Mm -hmm. We're creatures of habits. If I've never had a relationship where there was open communication, that's, that's the most foreign thing in the world to mm. me. I, I don't know how to handle that. Or maybe I just don't want there to be communication because I don't want them to point out my flaws. <laughs> so yeah, what? but it's definitely a, not an easy thing to, to just automatically start doing. I tell people all the time, I say, if you have to write it down on a piece of paper to keep you on track, do it. Yes. Hey. I same thing. I say the uh, same. That's yeah, right. It's okay. And just try to stay on, on point because don't take the bait 
when somebody throws out something else and then you're not mm -hmm. talking about the original. I said, stay on track. Don't go off in left field. Just, uh, I said, it might bring up other things, but you can't do it all at once. That's right. <laughs> that's right. There's a term in therapy called secondary benefits. So the way this applies to conflict is so powerful. How are you benefiting from your unhealthy conflict relationship? or dynamics, or relationship with conflict? How are you benefiting from an unhealthy communication, conflict communication, right? And it might be that you never have to talk about your needs, or it might be that the other person does all of the, all of the legwork, or it might be that conflict is so familiar to you, it's weirdly comforting, right? So the change, the idea of not having conflict, like you said, is unnerving. And that's how you're benefiting from staying in an unhealthy conflict dynamic. I wrote a blog about that, which I can send you to put in the show notes on the secondary benefits, secondary benefit, but they're super uncomfortable. And so you read a little list of secondary benefits, you're like, oh yeah, I totally do that. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's a great little point of awareness. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10, we're not going to do anything unless it's benefiting us. And it might That's be that we're not really acknowledging That's why right. we do certain things and why we act like why we act certain ways, but I guarantee you it's going to find a way for it to benefit us. Yeah. 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 It's a, and what's, it's important to note here that an unhealthy relationship with conflict isn't always having lots of conflict. Sometimes it's the complete avoidance of conflict. So yeah. And just notice that in yourself, if you are the avoider or the creator. Yeah. I, I know I've known plenty of people and myself back in my youth would start an argument on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think you try to get away from them or something. So, hey, let's get into argument. I can go do what I want. You know, like yeah, I said, yeah. that secondary benefit was, hey, I get to go do what I want. That's make you yeah, mad. Yeah, I nice. deal with it yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want um, to manipulate. So true. I, I, I can be a little bit, what's the word? Righteous in my, if I, if, when I'm, when I'm in an unhealthy conflict response, right? Because I've become so regulated in my nervous system. What I mean by that is I'm really off my own center. In some way, I might, it might be because I'm mega tired, mega stressed, right? So I'm not able to respond in the way that I know I can. I can't access my tools. Um, so I'm responding in a dysregulated way. And I might respond by um, doing a power over move. And I, I'm not starting an argument necessarily, but I'm kind of shutting you down. And that would be my unhealthy conflict response. But I benefit from that because I then feel powerful. I then feel in control, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, think about your secondary benefits. It's such an important and helpful inquiry. Like I said, got one more question for you. Just it's not really a question, maybe just your opinion on this. And this is something sure. that I just, I don't know if women are taught this, but mm -hmm. the whole be on the phone or something or about to leave and like right before they get off, it's like, hey, we need to talk but they don't ever tell you what they want to talk about. Oh, and then, no. and then the brain's going, what is it? What did I do? Mm -hmm. And then you ask them, Hey, well, what's this about? Oh, well, we'll talk about it later. I don't want to talk about it right now. Then why oh, did the you poor say old something? brain just goes into overdrive. So, then why did you say something now if you didn't want to talk about it? So now yeah, I got to yeah, go, yeah. now I got yeah. eight hours at work sitting here going, what are we going to talk about? And then you get mm -hmm. home. It's like, what kind of pizza do you want? Like, I've been worrying all day. I thought it was something serious. But how, how do you, like, get somebody, if they somebody says a statement like that, say, like, hey, we need to talk. Well, what's it about? I don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah. So yeah, my yeah, brain yeah. doesn't go crazy. Well, 
That's a really interesting question. I've not been asked that one before. So really, it comes down to communicating needs. So in that moment, you have a need to know a top line of what it might be about. So your brain doesn't eat itself with inventing stories. And you can also get on with the rest of your day, right? You can kind of put it to one side for a bit, or at least feel like you can maybe gather your thoughts and prepare. So what I would suggest is is to say to the pers- the other person, okay, I'm really happy to have a chat. In order for for me to be able to concentrate today or to stop my brain from just inventing loads of things that I think we might need to talk about, can you just give me a hint of what it might be about? We don't have, I'm not asking to have the conversation now, so you're reassuring the person. Because the, the reason they're not telling you is because they're anxious to tell you, right? And they might be anxious to tell you because it's going to kick off the conversation now, you're going to get offended, you're going to get angry in that moment, they don't feel ready to have the conversation, that all the reasons why they're not telling you is on some level to ha- to maintain control. So reassuring them that just so that you can get on with the rest of your day, because like now you're now you're on high alert, but you'd just love to know what what you're going to talk about later. Is it, you know, is it something that happened yesterday? Is it something that's coming up? Like, can you just give me a hint? It'd be really helpful so that I can, I can just crack on with the rest of my day, or I can feel like I can gather some thoughts for it or, you know, and reassuring them that I really understand that you want to talk about something and I want it to go well. So can you give me a clue? So you're going to use reassuring language because they're at a threshold of discomfort. That's why they're not telling you. So you want to get them over that threshold in order to give you what you need, which is some clue of what on earth is going to come up. Does that help? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I was interested in me when somebody says that, I'm going, and why did you say anything at all? It's like, oh my goodness. And then it usually yeah, totally. ends up not being near as bad as my mind creates because we have that, that negative bias. So we always go to the negative. Yeah. And it's the same for the other person. Their greatest fear is how you're going to respond if they say what it's about, right? So you're both operating from a place of fear. So you want to you want to get each other across the threshold. Well, alrighty. I think it's a good area to wrap it up. Okay. Thank you so much for being on. So tell the people how they can get a hold of you. I know you probably got a website somewhere or Instagram sure or Twitter yeah. and all that. So yeah. now's your time to plug all that. If you see me like the links and stuff, I'll put that nope. in the description. I can do all of that, um, no problem. But uh, but yeah, you can go ahead and let them know where to, where to find you. Thank you. So workingwithvoice.com is my website. The first thing for you to know about that is there's a form on there for communication questions. It's called Ask Thea. And you can go onto the homepage and scroll down. You'll find the Ask Thea form and drop me your communication questions, whatever it's about. It might be about conflict. It might be about something else. It might be about preparing a talk it might be how do I say these ideas in different ways I ask I get asked all sorts of communication questions so yeah do make use of that it's the best way to get in touch with me or find me on my socials I generally hang out on Instagram or LinkedIn so go and find me on there I'm Thea May or working with voice working underscore with underscore voice but you'll find it if you type in working with voice and you can always find me via the website And at the moment, I'm actually putting together all of my conflict resources into one home at last. And it's called Reimagining Conflict. And it's liberating new tools, strategies and reframes of how many of us have been taught to approach conflict. And I go into conversational tools like I shared with you today, nervous system and whole body 
tools in order to help you prepare to be ready for a conversation, how to diffuse your own heat during a conversation or get yourself unstuck when you become stuck, you freeze. I work with a lot of nervous system and stress response stuff. And also how to then move that into your relationships in every area of your life to create new conflict, healthy conflict cultures um, throughout throughout your life. So yeah, do come and check that out. I've got a wait list for it at the moment, Reimagining Conflict. I'll give you the link for the show notes for sure. And you can always find it via my website as well. All righty. Well, thank you so much for being on. Please ask her some questions. She definitely knows what she's talking about when it comes to communication. So might as well take advantage. So please check out her websites. And thank you so much for being on. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me, James. It's been really nice to chat to you and lovely to hear about your stories as well. And I wish you well. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. All right. Well, that was our podcast. Hopefully you learned a little bit about communication. It's something that we all struggle with. And we definitely, if we want to be successful in life, have successful relationships, that communication has to be there. So if you need to contact me, you got some uh, podcast guests that you'd like us to interview, or if you need any of our services, just go to our website, freedomanger.com. Reach out to me. My email is on there. I'm easy to get a hold of. Follow us on Twitter or X. It's uh, anger underscore LLC. Instagram, YouTube. That's freedom from anger LLC both of those please follow our podcast on whatever platform you get this and like i said at the beginning if you're listening to this on thanksgiving hopefully it helped you out a little bit and as always stay safe